I'm going to ask uh, Steve to come and join me because uh, Steve has come over from the States to help Mandy and me lead some uh, retreats for Vineyard Church leaders. We've had one this last week, we've got another one starting tomorrow morning and, uh, and then Steve heads off and we have a, a week off or a week doing normal church stuff and uh, yeah and, um, and then Mandy and I are going to be leading another one. So we've uh, we've got about 55 church leaders uh, who've come to do this and uh, so Steve, okay. So as we're getting, getting sorted here, can you just tell us a little bit about your background, where you come from, where you grew up, that kind of thing, just so that people get to know you a little bit. Um, I'm Steve Summerall. I'm going to be 68 years old in uh, November. I live in the Los Angeles area and I grew up in Arcadia, which is here, and moved all the way to Monrovia, which is here. And if you know anything about LA, that's just one big mass. And so, um, yeah, I tell people I haven't gone very far in life. I just moved from one town to the next. I've uh, been married to my wife. It'll be 47 years in November. Two grown sons. And uh, I've been doing my best to follow Jesus for almost 50 years. Um, I was a vineyard pastor for 25 years. And for the last uh, six years full time, I've been working with pastors more as a consultant and a retreat leader traveling around different parts of the world, encouraging and uh, helping vineyard pastors tend to their own souls so that they can better tend to the people that God's given them to, to work with. So. Thank you. And we, we love the Bible. I know you do too. So uh, what's your favorite Bible verse? And um, you know, what, what does it mean to you? Um, well, obviously over 50 years it's changed. Um, when I was first a Christian, it was John 3.16. And John 3.3, you must be born again. Um, Romans 8.1, there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, has been very meaningful for me. But at this point, I would say um, there's two passages um, in the Gospels. One is the passage in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus encounters Matthew and says, come follow me, and Matthew invites him to dinner. And um, the text says in the New Living Translation that the people who came to dinner were notorious sinners, which that's like the really bad people, the people who are marginalized and not looked up to. And um, he was just with them, and the religious people were outside looking at that and saying, how can you? And Jesus went and had a conversation and said, well, you know, people who are healthy don't need a doctor. It's the people that are sick who need a doctor. And it's a well-known text, and I've read it and taught it for years, but the main thing that stuck out to me was, as I picture that text and imagine it, I think Jesus was absolutely comfortable being in a house filled with notorious sinners. I don't think he felt odd about it. I don't think he felt like, oh, I'm going to catch something being around these folks. 
He was absolutely comfortable with them. And they were comfortable with him. Just being with him. And I don't know for sure um, what went on at that dinner, but I doubt that Jesus' first line to them was, you better repent because you're all a mess. I think he just met them where they were and loved them. So that's always wrong. Um, second one is, uh, and this is probably for me now in these days the most important, Matthew 28, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Where Jesus says, come unto me, all you are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's a really well-known text, and for decades, I always thought of that in terms of kind of an altar call for people who didn't know Jesus and weren't connected with God. But I think that text is for us every single day. And... Um, I think it's a description, it's an invitation of Jesus inviting us to life in the kingdom of God. And where it's usually translated, learn of me, uh, it's been translated in other versions as let me teach you. And so I think it's an invitation to be intimate with Jesus and let him teach us how to live our daily, regular lives in the kingdom of God. Because we don't know how to do that. And so it's a wonderful invitation, and I always share it with pastors and leaders I work with, especially the uh, end part, verse 30, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And I will often ask pastors, so does the yoke feel easy to bear? Does the burden feel light? And uh, often the response is, no, it doesn't. So it just means there's work for us all to grow in. So anyway, those are things that have been meaningful yeah. to me. And I've been <clears throat> asking Jesus to teach me how to live in the kingdom of God in my daily, regular life. Those sound like some pretty big life lessons and things to apply. As you... Uh, think about you know, your, your time walking with Jesus and then also doing spiritual development and uh, that kind of thing with other leaders. What are some of the other, other particular lessons that have really struck you, life lessons? The most important thing I've learned over 50 years, almost 50 years, and I'm still learning it, but I can say it's really accelerated in the last 10, is that God really loves me. just as I am right now, not the way I think I should be or ought to be. He loves me just as I am. You might think, well, everybody knows that. You know, that's a, well, I, I work with a lot of people as in my role as a spiritual director, and, and I've found that none, not everybody really believes that or lives out of that place and the freedom that that brings. Um, so it might sound elemental, but I'm convinced at this point in my life that it's the first point, it's the middle point, it's the last point, it is the point. The most important thing that we can all know is that God deeply, deeply loves us and accepts us right where we are now in the reality of who we are and of all of our struggles. And he just 
receives us. And for me, it's been a theology that has actually been seeking down into my day of reality. And the freedom of that has been pretty remarkable. What are some of the, the tools that you find helpful to help to make that a reality? Um, being honest about what's actually true about me. <laughs> um, all of the, you know, the areas of weakness and struggle and not so pretty motivations and thoughts about people and situations. Just really being honest about the fact that that's really true about me. That's in me at this point in my life. And instead of beating myself up and, you know, trying harder, I don't know how many of you try harder, but my encouragement would be that good luck with that and let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> um, so just, just bringing all of that to the light, not trying to um, hide it, have you all seen The Wizard of Oz, probably? You know, where they come back, but you haven't? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the part where they come back with the broomstick, you know, of the Wicked Witch, and that was the thing. If you do that, the wizard said he would, you know, grant all their wishes. And they bring the broomstick back, and um, he's all, well, come back next week, you know. And, and uh, Dorothy kind of has a fit. She's all, how can you do that? Da, 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 da. You know, you're mean and you told us to do this and we did it and you're not living up to your part of the bark. And then all of a sudden he, um, you know, the flames get really big and he's all, don't you, you know, talk that way to the great God. And the flames are coming up and they start shaking and everybody's shaking. And then what happens? Toto walks up, and I think Toto represents the Holy Spirit in this <laughs> and pulls back the curtain, and, you know, he's still, you know, turning his, dob, his knobs and dials, and, you know, the flint, oh, but he, and then he turns around, and he sees that, that he's been exposed, and what's his next line? to the man behind the curtain. No, 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 no. And I just think that sometimes we want to come across like the great and powerful odds. And Dorothy says, you're, you're a terrible person. And he says, no, I'm not a terrible person. I'm just a really bad wizard. <laughs> And I just think, and maybe I'm the only one, and it could be, and, and I'm fine with that, but I think sometimes we want to come across as this, and not just with it, but really with this. We're not the great and powerful Oz, we're just a person who's trying to get through. And, um, and I think sometimes we try to do that with God, too. It's like, don't look at that stuff, keep the curtain on. And just the ability to accept and embrace my humanity, that there are certain things that are still true about me, to be able to bring those to the light, and to say, and Lord, you know what? I have no idea how to rid these out of myself, and I need your grace, and I need your help. And so that's been really, really free. And the thing that 
you got me started on that. <laughs> allows, has allowed me to do that goes back to the thing I was just talking about earlier. I know more deeply than ever that God loves me just as I am right now. And he's not offended by my humanity. He's not shocked by it. He's known about it. And for me to have the freedom to just bring that into, um, into his presence has just been a life-giving and freeing thing. Uh, something that's helped that is practicing silence and solitude. Taking time to just be alone and just to be quiet. Um, some people feel like, well, that would be impossible. Well, it's really not impossible. and You don't have to be an older person to be able to you know, actually do that. Um, and in that, it allows space for things to emerge sometimes that we don't even want to look at. And then it allows God the space and the time to speak into those things as well. Uh, I mean, reading the Bible is important. Uh, prayer is important. Uh, I've found that prayer is pretty mysterious. I'm not sure how prayer works. Sometimes one plus one doesn't equal two. And the formulas I've used often for, well, prayer works this way, I'll do this and I'll do this and this will be. And God just doesn't play by that equation. Um, so it's a little mysterious. and. But it's something we're called to do and I think we can grow in and uh, there's many, many different ways to pray and so I've experimented and lived into those and that's been helpful. So. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, we would really appreciate your prayers this week as we work with more church leaders. Um, but I, I wanted you to meet Steve. I've really enjoyed getting to know him over the last few years and uh, I hope we'll be able to get him back here again. So. Steve, thank you very much. You're welcome. Life can be quite a battle at times, can't it? I don't know if you feel that way, what sort of a week you've had or month or what season you're in. Um, sometimes people feel that everything is stacked against them. But the Bible tells us that we're not alone in those situations, that God is with us and that he will fight the battles for us as well. So a verse from the Bible, and then I'll tell you a story. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He'll rejoice over you with singing. And uh, when I was going through a difficult time, I would just, you know, three o'clock in the morning, sleep was evading me, and I would just go through these verses and just uh, meditate on it and thank Jesus for it and allow the, the truth to soak into me. So that's the, the verse we're looking at for the few minutes we've got left. Uh, here's, a, here's a quick story for you. A lady called Jane was a member of this church. It's not her real name. Uh, and she had experienced God in many different ways. And um, he had brought Jane lots of healing over the years. She was a very gifted leader, very gifted in ministry. And one day we were just chatting together and I saw a shadow over her face. And I looked at the other people who were there and <clears throat> it wasn't a trick of the lights. And so I knew that uh, that's one of the ways you can tell if there's something demonic. So 
we, uh, we just chatted a bit more and we found out that Jane heard voices. And not, not sort of just inner impressions, but actually heard voices. And she had heard them ever since she was a child. She thought that it was normal. She thought that everybody heard voices like that. It was so normal to her. And uh, she told us how these voices gradually became stronger and louder, uh, especially when her mother died, and they gave her great comfort at that point. However, the voices gradually became more and more negative, more critical, until everything that they said was negative. And uh, Jane had never thought that they might be harmful in any way, but, then, but they constantly put her down, they filled her with fear, they lied to her, and uh, as we talked, she realised that it's probably not a good thing to have that going on. But she thought everybody heard voices like that, that it was normal. So as we prayed for her, uh, these voices protested loudly, but they had no choice. They had to go because uh, of the authority that Jesus has given to us. And when we finished praying, the, you know, the shadow had gone, and uh, we asked Jane how she felt. She said it was very quiet inside, and very peaceful, and very lovely. And so we prayed for her again just to make sure she was completely full of the Holy Spirit and that there was no space left for this stuff to come back again. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quieten you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And uh, you might have guessed the first thing from those verses is that God is with you. No matter what we've been through in the past, no matter what is happening now in our lives, no matter what may happen in the future, no matter what sort of a mess we've got ourselves into, God is for us, he is with us, and he's here to save. One of the names that the Bible gives for God is Yahweh, which is often uh, translated I am, or I am who I am. When you take it at its fullest, it's I am who I am who I will be. So in other words, I'm, I'm in the past, I am the God of the past, I'm the God of the present, and I'm also the God of the future. And that uh, refrain is picked up in the worship in heaven, that uh, God is, he is the God who was and is and is to come. He is almighty. He's with us in our past, he's with us now, and he'll be there in the future as well. And that God doesn't change, he is the same yesterday, today and forever. He's with us all the time. He's there to help us all the time. In the Christmas story, I know Christmas was a, a while ago now, wasn't it? Feels like only yesterday, but at the same time, feels like it almost never happened. But in the Christmas story, we're told that Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Not God was with us, or God's going to be with us in the future, but God is with us. And he promises that he'll never leave. Matthew 28, verse 20, Be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even to the end of time, even to that time when the world is destroyed and everybody goes uh, somewhere, either with Jesus or without him. And uh, we need to be encouraged that the Holy Spirit is with us. He is on us, even right now. The Holy Spirit is on you. He's in you. He's with you. He's more real than the chair that you're sitting on and more reliable as well. 
I don't know what it's like for you, but it doesn't always feel that way, does it? Anybody ever feel that Jesus is distant, that he's moved to a different planet? Um, spiritual maturity doesn't mean that we feel really, really close to Jesus all the time and we're just constantly overwhelmed with his love and everything's hunky-dory. Uh, maturity in uh, growing spiritually means that we are able to relax into the truth that Jesus is there, that he's for us, he's with us, he loves us unconditionally and that there is nothing that we can do to change that. And even if we don't feel him, he's there. That's why it's called faith. And those times when we feel him, they're wonderful, aren't they? And I'm, I'm up for more of those, you know. But uh, we trust his love even when we don't feel it. So God is with you. And the second thing here is that God fights for you. God is with you at all times. He's, uh, he fights for you and as it says here, he's mighty to save. Or the the message translation says, Your God is present among you, a strong warrior there to save you. I don't know what your life is like at the moment, uh, whether you feel close to God or whether you feel like God has moved to a different planet. Feelings can be incredibly deceptive, can't they? The truth is that God is with you. He's closer than your skin. Uh, I find the problem is with me. God hasn't moved to a different planet. Maybe that emotionally I've moved. You may have had, uh, had parents or authority figures who've not been for you, been there for you when you needed them, or maybe they were there and you wish they weren't because of the, uh, the way they were so abusive. And we need to recognize that God is not like that in his love for us. He is always good. He's always loving. God is a perfect father in the way that no earthly parent could ever be. And so because of God's love for you, he fights for you. And the the Bible is full of stories of people who needed God's help. People who were really up against it, up against uh, impossible situations and God fights for them and he wants you to know that he's, he's on your side he's not fighting against you he's not critical of you, he's not judging you, God is for you he's fighting for you so often our emotions try and trick us and tell us that perhaps that God disapproves of us in some way that um, you know, that's an ungodly belief if we're holding on to something like that. It doesn't reflect the truth of what the Bible says. It's one of many reasons why we need to know the Bible well. As Steve was saying, it, it corrects our false beliefs about who God is and who we are and how we relate to him. So what battles do you need God to fight for you? There may be some spiritual battles, there may be an emotional battle, very often those things are linked together. It may be financial, it may be an issue at work, with your studies, with relationships. Maybe you've got a battle with healing in your body. God isn't limited in what he can do. We've already had healing on the streets mentioned. There was a 
a guy who came and sat down and asked if we could pray for him. He'd just gone through the first stage of training with the Royal Marines and he said every single bone, every single muscle in his body was aching from the punishment that they'd put him through, especially all the crawling that they'd had to do. He said his, his knees were so painful he could barely walk along the street. And so he sat down in the chair, we knelt before him, we looked into his eye as usual and told him how much God loves him and then we started to pray, which is, we commanded the pain to go. And after a moment, uh, it was literally very, you know, 10-15 seconds probably, he had a look of surprise on his face. And, uh, and so we stopped and said, what's, what's going on? What's happening? And he said, it's, it's really strange, I can feel this this presence but it's not around me it's in me and we said yeah that's that's Jesus and he's coming to say hello and uh, and then I said to him and how's the pain and at that point he swore uh, and said the pain's gone so I knew it was genuine every bit of pain from his body had gone God fights for you and this guy didn't know Jesus personally he'd never met Jesus but uh, Jesus was for him He certainly met Jesus that morning. God is for you, he fights for you. And one of the keys to spiritual growth and maturity uh, is for us to be able to enter into that is to be ruthlessly honest about the issues that we face. I think Steve mentioned that, didn't he? When I was in my 20s, God told me that I had to deal with some stuff. Uh, I just started... uh, at theological college uh, training to be ordained to lead a church and God told me that I had to deal with the lust and masturbation that I was struggling with and he said if I didn't deal with it it would destroy my marriage and it would destroy any ministry that I had for him got my attention and it was very humbling having to go to friends again and again and again to ask them to pray and say, I know I had some freedom, but I've slipped back again, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it felt the other way around. And uh, Jesus brought me freedom because Jesus is fighting for us. But unless we're honest about it, we don't enter into the freedom that he has for us. Don't tell everybody what you struggle with, but do tell somebody. Uh, I have a friend and uh, we talk about everything. Those of you who are in your 20s and 30s, or perhaps even younger, there are things that God is wanting to do in your lives this year, issues that he wants to bring to the surface to heal, which, if not dealt with, will rear up in your 40s and 50s in a destructive way. And I've seen that with friends, even people who've been part of this church. Things that they didn't deal with, things that they never told anybody, they've come up and they've bitten them really hard. Those of you who, like me, are old enough to be carbon dated, it's, it's not too late. It's not too late. God can still deal with our stuff. But, you know, why wait? You know, let's, let's get that stuff dealt with. Why have that stuff hampering you for decades when you could deal with it today? It's much, much better third thing that this uh, verse says is that God delights in you. Zephaniah 3.17, he will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. 
And sometimes we know that up here, don't we? we? We know that it's true, but we don't actually grasp the truth of it. It would be very easy for someone like Jane, who I told you about at the beginning, to feel disqualified from God's love. After all, she had listened to demonic voices for many, many years. How could God love her if she did that? But he does. There is nothing that need disqualify us, nothing that can disqualify us from God's love, because God's love is constant, it's unconditional. It doesn't change like the weather, thankfully. But if we allow him, God will delight in us and we will be able to feel that delight and we'll be able to hear his voice and hear that affirmation. And sometimes, as Steve said, we need to just withdraw a bit and create a bit of space and quiet so that we can recognize the baggage that we've got and the stuff that we're dealing with. And, uh, and then we hear God's voice as well. One of the reasons that we're doing these retreats for church leaders is... Uh, Church leadership is a job in many ways like any other job. In, in some ways, it's like nothing else. And uh, so we take people and we just for four days, we just create a bit of space for them to be able to meet with God. And we use some uh, Bible meditations and uh, other tools that we have. But most of the time, they're just on their own with God. And the space creates space for the inner voices to come out and as you take away you know you take first thing we do is to tell people to take a, turn off their mobile phone you know check it once a day if you really need to and just create some space you know don't catch up on netflix or whatever it is that you love doing and just taking away some of those props creates the space for us to be able to meet with god in a, in a special way and in fact, this, is, this group we just had, this is their fourth year together. And so uh, we pulled a fast one on them and we had 17 hours of silence. So even during mealtimes, we weren't allowed to talk to each other. Uh, and those of us who were married and were there together, we, we didn't talk to each other uh, most of the time. And, uh, but doing that, it just creates the space for us to be able to engage with God in a different way from when there's so much noise, isn't there, in society. And the result is really clear as well. Someone, one of the guys there, a senior guy in the movement, said to me at the end of the week, he said, this is a very different group of people who arrived four years ago. And, and it was true. And uh, I can recognize the change in me as well, just the, the way I was reacting to people and uh, that kind of thing. When we listen to God, when we hear his voice, it is never condemning, never demeaning, it's never harsh, it never puts us down, it's God takes great delight in you. And if you spend time uh, trying to hear God and what you hear is something that is not positive, then it's not from God. Again, we have a choice. We can take time to be quiet before God and to feel his love or not. Uh, I find there are so many pressures around me. There's things that compete for my time, uh, my energy, my attention. Uh, obviously, I have my family. There's Mandy, four boys, and a daughter-in-law as well now. Uh, I lead a church. I'm involved in leading a group of churches, working in uh, the Persian Partnership. Uh, Mandy and I run the retreats for Vineyard Church leaders. I run an apple juicing business. We have Airbnb. We you know, the stuff. And so I have to be deliberate 
about making time to spend with my loving Father, to be quiet before him and to receive his love. You know, you may think that being a church leader, you know, you don't have very much to do, and uh, come and join me for a day. And, um, and that, you know, church leaders only work on Sundays, don't they? That's the... Uh, it's as hard for me as it is for anybody, but at least I'm my own boss. I can carve out the time to be with Jesus. And uh, that's a really important thing for me. And uh, I know also that I am a broken man. You may not have noticed that, I'm sure, but uh, one day I will be perfect when Jesus comes again, but I won't be until that day. I will carry some brokenness, and occasionally that brokenness bumps up against other people, and you know some of those rough edges haven't been healed yet, and all that kind of thing. God is healing me, but I'm a work in progress, and I still need a lot of work. And the closer I get to God, the more I realise that. But also, the closer I get to him, the more I can access the healing that he wants to bring so that I fully become the person that he wants me to be. Why wait decades for that change when you can access that kind of change today? I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day, just as Jesus did. I need the loving affirmation of my Heavenly Father, just as Jesus did. After Jesus was baptised, he heard the audible voice of God. You are my son whom I love with you. I'm really pleased. What a lovely thing. So where do you get your affirmation from? Is it the number of likes that you get on Facebook or Instagram? Because I think for a lot of people, it's, it's, that's the kind of place that uh, we go for. That's where we look for uh, approval or do we find our approval in God himself? The only reliable source who loves you more than you deserve, more than you can come to the end of, and who supplies everything that you need to be able to thrive. To emphasize this point that God delights in you, it says at the end of the Zephaniah verse, he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy or with singing. Now, this isn't a fighter who has defeated his enemy and he's got his foot on his enemy's neck and he's rejoicing over his enemy. These are songs of love, songs of intimacy, songs of delight, songs that when we hear them create life in us and cause good things to grow. We sing worship songs to God, we express our thanksgiving, our love, our adoration, and we want to do that with all our heart, and I love that new song we had this morning. Uh, I quickly recorded it so that uh, I can start practicing it and use it as well. And we, we, want to, we want to worship God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But as we worship Jesus, he is also singing, and we sing, Jesus, we adore you, and in return he he sings, and Simon, I adore you. Hannah, I adore you. You can put your own name in there. The Father does a similar thing to us. He sings over us of his passionate love for us and how excited he is about us. The Hebrew word for rejoice uh, is the word uh, gil, which... The definition is to spin around under the influence of a violent emotion, usually joy. And that's how God worships. That's how God sings. How God rejoices over you. He's pretty crazy when he gets going. 
It's the opposite of cringing with fear. That's how, that's how God feels about us. He takes great delight in you. God's not a frowning old man sitting up on some dusty old throne who's a killjoy and is disapproving of everything. He is passionate, he's full of joy and he's full of excitement about you. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how broken you may feel, no matter how messed up things may be, no matter how rebellious you may or may not have been, it doesn't change the way that God feels about you. And when we sing, Jesus, you are wonderful, he sings in return, and you are wonderful. I love you so much. I love the way that I made you. I love the way I created you. And I'm here for you. Let me take the brokenness that you feel and let me bring my life to you. Because you are wonderful. These are some basic truths that we need to hold on to. And they may be very familiar, but as I said, sometimes they need to move from our head to our heart so that we really experience them in a fresh way. God is good, and God is sovereign. And uh, at one point when things were really, really dark, and I was going through what some people call the dark night of the soul, it was a period that lasted for quite a few years, I, that was where I got to. God is good, and God is sovereign. I wasn't sure about some of the other stuff, but I could hold on to that, and uh, I thought, that's a pretty good foundation, actually, because if God is good, I don't need to worry, and if God is sovereign, I don't need to worry. Because even if bad things happen, God is sovereign and he can turn it round. And God is for me and he loves me. And God's goodness is seen in his attitude towards us. That God, I think it's in one of the songs that we sing, that God bends down to make us great. It's uh, a quote from the Bible, isn't it? can't remember the verse. That God is always for us. He's always wanting the best for us. And he's totally loopy in love with us. We are created in his image. And the depth of feeling when we feel in love with somebody else is just a pale reflection of the strength of love that God feels towards us. Even towards me with all my mess? Yes. Even towards you. Even towards each one of us. Uh, with all that stuff that's going on. God doesn't disqualify you. We disqualify ourselves, but God does not disqualify us. He doesn't criticize or judge us. Uh, the death and res resurrection of Jesus prove that God is for us and that that is what qualifies us. God is sovereign. There's nothing beyond him. There's nothing he can't help us with. There's nothing that's too hard for him. Sometimes it takes us a while to receive from him. You know, when we hit those points of real darkness and burnout, sometimes it can be quite a while before we start to uh, feel the healing and the life that God brings to us. It's a, a process where we engage with him. It's not a, just a one-off shot. But his passion and his strength turns towards us to bless us. The Lord your God wins victory after victory and is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you. And he'll refresh your life with his love. Let's stand together.
Jesus, we thank you for the truth. We think, thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that we can come to you to receive everything that we need. We thank you that you have no shortage, no lack, that you are sovereign over everything, that uh, you can provide everything that we need. And we confess that at times it really doesn't feel like that. And we struggle to believe, but we choose to believe. The Lord your God wins victory after victory and is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you. And he'll refresh your life with his love. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you do that. That you come and refresh us this morning with a fresh touch of your love. And that you convince us once again that you love us, that you're for us, and that you're with us. Thank you that you are mighty to save. And so we look to you for the help that we need. In the pain that we feel, in the grief that we feel, in the confusion that we feel, we look to you because we know that you're the answer. And we ask that you give us your peace, we ask that you'd fill us with your joy, and that you come and overflow in us again. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come. And for those who've been rejoicing this week, Lord, we, uh, we ask that you would help them to really celebrate to really enjoy your goodness and to not feel guilty about the good things that you give. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you go with us this week, that uh, you help us to tune into you, to make space for you, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at work in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. I've been very naughty this morning, I've overrun quite a bit, so if you have children you need to go and pick them up now, please. If you'd like prayer for any reason, uh, you can grab somebody near you or just come down to the front and we'll link you up with somebody who'd love to pray for you. If you have a Connect card, you can take that to the back and uh, we'd love you to join us for the Newcomers Lunch today as well. But God bless you, have a great week and uh, see you in communities next weekend. <laughs>